and welcome to Caskheads, a podcast about whiskey for whiskey. I'm your host, Jordan, and with me as always is my brother, co-host in 100th Red Balloon, Luke. I believe it's Love Balloon. <laughs> yeah, it is, actually. So. 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 <laughs> Irish whiskey. Let's talk about that. Last week, we covered uh, a lot of the things about Irish whiskey. We talked about pot still whiskey in particular because we were reviewing Red Breast, which is a wonderful example of pot still whiskey. Mm-hmm. And I thought we'd go down more of the blend route, which is actually, I think, the first time we were covering blends a little bit more properly. We covered them briefly with Scotch, but I don't think we went fully into detailed blends. Uh, but obviously, this time we'll be focusing on Irish blends a bit more. When we talk about Irish whiskies, people often think about things that are a triple distilled, very light, often blends. They are, because, as I was saying, blends tend to be done more in Ireland. Although pot still whiskey's great, um, things like Jameson... Well, Jameson is the best-selling Irish whiskey in the world for obvious reasons. I mean, you, you talk about Irish whiskey, and I think most people have heard about Jameson's. I, I believe you had even, hadn't you? Let's go with yeah. <laughs> And, and so yeah, it's this style that's kind of conjured whenever you talk about Irish whiskey. When we talk about triple distilled, which is important because I don't think we covered it last time, uh, it's it's pretty self-explanatory. You do go around through the stills that third time, and it's creating a lighter, purer spirit. There's that bit more coppery flux going on, and a, a lovely bit more interaction. It creates this delicate, often floral kind of side of things. And it's a style that Ireland certainly tends to prefer. It's uh, you, you can actually double distill in Ireland, but traditionally triple distillation is the way to go. Things that we're talking about blends uh, is... Do you remember what a blend rule is? It's blended. Do you remember what the rules for blending is? Well, you, uh, you blend it. What do you blend? Well, you blend... You blend, you know, you blend. Put it all in a, a, a food processor and you just whiz it all about. Yeah, it's very noisy. Yeah, well, actually, whiskey making is noisy. Um, I'm guessing you've mixed two together. Which two? Whiskies. So when you blend, it's a blend of, uh, as we were saying in, in Scotland, it was a blend of single malt or, or, or multiple malts potentially from different distilleries. Um, and blend uh, a blend with grains. So you're blending malt whiskey with grain whiskey. So the grain whiskey is giving you that lighter style, and the malt whiskey is giving you uh, a little bit of flavour coming through. And you can bulk it up with the grain volume because grain whiskey is quicker to make. It's a lot easier to make than uh, single malt whiskey is. However, in Ireland, you can also use pot still whiskey, as we discovered with uh, Redbreast. So the the first distillery, reportedly anyway, the first distillery to uh, perfect this. Irish blending method where you use triple distillation but you also use three different types of whiskey in your blend so you're using malt you're using pot still and you're using grain is uh, a distillery called Tullamore Dew which we'll get to later on is that that bottle you showed me oh, yeah that's yeah. that bottle that's right you, I showed you and ultimately as I was saying there is this reputation for Irish whiskey being or Irish blends being of higher quality than Scottish because they tend to put a bit higher quality whiskey into them again Sick, I'm not man. saying Scottish do rubbish blends it's just when you're comparing them pound for pound often you'll find the Irish ones tend to be a little gentler and yeah a little bit rounded uh, I'm not against blends uh, I really do like them now let's talk about some Irish blends. We've got things like, as I said, Jameson's, which is owned by Pernod Ricard. Uh, 
number one selling Irish whiskey today with fans all over the world. It's made at the Middleton Distillery, which also is the distillery that made uh, that distills Redbreast. Uh, Middleton whiskey goes into a lot of different uh, Irish whiskies. Actually, to be fair, very very big distillery. Of note with Jameson is the numerous kind of styles that they do. So it's not just that you get the standard Jameson bottle, you get the standard one, you then get things like Jameson Crested, which is a really nice example. That one is a little bit more higher quality goes into it. It's more to represent when the Jameson family took back control of their whiskey because they'd started to outsource some of it to to um, kind of third parties. And the problem is when you outsource, sometimes, you know, you don't have that control over the quality of what's going on. And they they found that when they took that control, the quality was once again up to their standards. So Jameson Crested is kind of a nod back to this time. Uh, they also do, more importantly, these Caskmate series is what I was trying to get around to. Caskmates? Uh, yeah, Caskmates. It's, it's called the Ca- Jameson Caskmate series. Because everyone needs a friend. Everyone needs a friend. Well, maybe the Casks need friends, yeah. Um, the Cask Whisperer. Actually, that oh. is a thing. Wait, what? Um... People, could, oh my god, I'm picturing like that cat whisper guy that looks full on, just wild, but talking to casks. No, no, it's like, um, so as I was saying, when you got casks in the warehouse, you can't just leave them alone. You, it's, it's not like you say, they do get okay, bye casks, I'll see you in 15, 18 years when you're ready. You have to be constantly monitoring them because you need to check for leaks. You need to make sure the whiskey's actually maturing to the standard you want. Sometimes you need to move it to a different barrel. Sometimes the barrel's doing better than you expected. So and you can't do a Daenerys with the dragons. I know neither of us really watch Game of Thrones. But I really don't watch Game of Thrones. <laughs> well, we can't watch it. It's over now. It's That's not true. Like I, I, I didn't watch Game of Thrones would be a better way to do this. So... You have to be kind of monitoring these things, and I can't remember who it is, but I know of at least one person in the industry that's been known as the cask whisperer because they really do know their stuff, and they just they're constantly focused on them, and they can they can choose the cask so well, it's it's really respected. Okay, okay, okay. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. I'm gonna I'm the gonna clothes. paint a picture. Mm-hmm. I like how you had to tell me your clothes. That clothes, like I can't see you. Well, the audience <laughs> doesn't know that. That's true. Okay. Well, we could both be lying. Well, I don't know. Anyway, wherever casks are kept, kind of like a basement barrel filled with casks, and then... A warehouse. Whatever. It doesn't matter. It's all timely times. Then mist arrives. A door gets kicked down. Someone in a trench coat and a hat. The storm's outside. He's like... Everyone turns with a gasp. The cask whisperer is here. Ooh, good foley, good foley. And then there's a... That's the door. I can't find the tape, the desk enough to do that, but that's the door getting kicked down. Go. I like it was a very gentle kick. Ah, like, oh, they party. Do it again. Oh, there we go. It's it's smashed open. Was that Th- the door or thunder? It was at the same time. Ooh. Everyone turns aghast, like oh, the legend, the cask whisperer, and he like he's coat sweeped to the side on his hip as a no, mini... No, 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 not just a coat, a duster. A, a, a trench coat duster. Uh, on on his hip is like a mini cask instead of a gun. And he's like, I'm here to whisper to the casks. I, I guess you needed a cask whisperer. And he takes some kind of glasses off at that stage. Yeah, and, and he's all mysterious. Mm-hmm. I'm imagining it. Can I open my eyes now? Yeah, you, I'm done with the story. I painted a picture. You did. Um, I can't believe I went along with that. I'm glad you did. Uh, Jameson Caskmates. That's what we were on about before we went down that little avenue. Yeah, that's when everything comes out. It's like, oh, this this is just my caskmate, this is. I mean, they do other things as well, it's worth noting, before I go down the route to caskmates. 
but I really like the Castmate series because so far, to my knowledge, there's two of them that have been released. They've done IPA and they've done stouts. Mate is kind of a colloquial term. Do they use that in different countries? You get checkmate. That's chess. Yeah, but... Uh, hmm. Yeah, but it's not like check friend, is it? No, but maybe maybe this is like... That's what they're saying. Who knows? Oh my God, words can mean anything. Animals mate. Maybe that's what they're saying. Ooh. Two casks <gasps> together and a little baby a little, cask is born. little baby... What's the smaller than a cask? Quarter cask. Oh. Is cask the smallest? A quarter cask is smaller than the cask. Well, those little ones. Those little dumpy ones. That's a quarter cask. Ah, uh, a little quarter cask is born then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I suppose technically you could. I suppose you could take the mates in that kind of term because if you think about it, you've got your casks and then the new casks, the IPA or the stout one, and then the whiskey is born. Ah. It's it's a budding romance amongst casks. Aww. So they do. <laughs> they do IPA and they do stout releases. IPA being Indian Pale Ale. Oh! Yep, and stout being stout beer. Now, these are both beer casks that they've used to finish the whiskey off, and it really does affect the flavour. Is non-IPA beer all stout beer, then? No, 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 there's all sorts of different beer. Oh, I don't know, I don't drink beer. Stout is more like your uh, Guinnessy kind of style... Oh, okay. But then okay. you get things like porters, which uh, I, 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 mean, I, I do like a good porter. Proper job. That's an IPA. I thought you didn't like IPAs. IPAs tend to be quite citrusy and often uh, very fizzy, which and, is why. And I then don't you're like, like I don't want fruit. <laughs> no, it's it's very. It can be. It can be very dry, and I, I just don't really like that side of things. But. You can use the casks um, afterwards because it's still an oak barrel if it's been used as an oak barrel. Full on didn't so it even can know still be used for whiskey. Beer was in a cask. It just seems wild to me. Okay, so we uh, after when this podcast's over, I'll I'll show you a little bit about beer. Apparently, I don't care that much. <laughs> it's cool. There's a lot of similarities between beer and whiskey. I have to say, like the process is. I mean, it's not quite the same, but you do... With whiskey, you make a beer first, and then you distill that beer. We're on, what, episode five now? Mm -hmm. You should know by now. I'm not going to (laughs) learn. But anyway, IPA. It tends to give the whiskey a little bit more of a hoppiness, a little bit more of a citrusiness, as I was saying. And it does transfer across really nicely, because Jameson's is that lighter style. It can really draw the flavour out of that wood. They also do the stout release. And I do slightly prefer the stout release to the IPA. Not saying that the IPA is bad. I just really like the stout edition. It just ticks a few more boxes for me. And it, this really has given it that bit more complexity to it. And it's it's just wonderful. It really is. You get this really nice kind of... It does have a bit more of a, a darker colour to it. And, and it's, it's far more kind of a, 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 a flavour comes through. It's a lot more body to this whiskey. Uh, without ruining the sound of traditional Irish style. It's really nice. Imagine if just an average... I know ticking boxes is like a genuine thing by people reviewing things, but imagine if the average person went to a pub and was like, I'll have I'll have an IPA, please, and they're like, just genuinely pull out a spreadsheet. That'd be amazing. You'd be like, bro. <laughs> what, when they're reviewing the IPA? Maybe? No, not reviewing it, just like an average person ordering a beer at a pub. <laughs> well, I mean, some people really do review the beers. After Jameson, we've got Bushmills, which we mentioned briefly last uh, last episode. Uh, I believe Bushmills has a long history when it comes to distilling. 1608. Keep going. No. <laughs> I don't need to play to a crowd. Oh my god, I got the date right? Nice. Bushmills, which I mentioned last episode, were, it has a long history of distilling when it comes to it. The, the date that they were given the charter to distill 
was 1608, and uh, they proudly display this on the labels, actually. It's, I think, the oldest reference to giving being given this charter, anyway. There were certainly the first ones in Ireland, as far as I know, to get this right. And distilling kind of took place in or around the River Bush, uh, particularly around the mills that they had set up there, which is where the name Bush Mills comes from. Um, now, they do do some very nice single malts as well. They do a lovely 10-year-old and the 16-year-old's great, but we're talking about the blends today. And uh, the, the standard white label, kind of Bushmills White Label, as it's called, is a really nice all-round drinking whiskey, great for sharing, and I, I have to admit I do like a drop of it. However, my favourite is Black Bush, which is matured in cherry casks, and it gives it that little bit more richness. Um, it's a lot more kind of deeper and rounded flavour. And... It's it's more often than not not that much more expensive than white labels. It's a great step up for flavour for the price. It really is. Do you like good sherry cask? Because it's the only thing I can ever pick out. We'll get to that later on. But I think we've almost exclusively reviewed sherry cask whiskey so far. So I've deliberately picked a non-sherry cask whiskey this time. I know, but is that that's the one I smelt yesterday, right? Yes, I let you have a. a and smell I of said it. sherry, and you were like, no. Because you'd previously, seconds before you said what casket was in. Yeah, I, I actually did. And you were like, mmm, sherry? Mmm, <laughs> <laughs> gee whiz, this, this lip smacker of a whiskey <laughs> sure reminds me of a sherry. That, that's how the cask whisperer told. <laughs> <laughs> a really dramatic entrance, and then, well, gee whiz, this. <laughs> so, Tullamore Jew. Is it Tullamore Jew or Tullamore D-E-W well do you know because you put the full stops between so it implies it's an acronym hang on just a moment but there's full stops are on the bottle as well oh okay everyone I know calls it Tullamore Dew however D-E-W are actually the initials (gasps) for go on deadly evisceration weeds really you could have whiskey on the end you could literally have had whiskey on the end deadly Deadly evisceration evisceration whiskey whiskey is Mm. not a branding you want no that's the old timely whiskey hang on whether you could go with delicious hmm delicious I wanted to say erroneous and that would be a really bad one oh god deliciously enlightening whiskey there we go dastardly entertaining whiskey oh dastardly entertaining whiskey Drop, droplet, drop, dropping effervescent whiskey. Ooh, I was going to think of something like um, devil, devilishly enlightening whiskey. D- didn't you do that one? No, I had deliciously enlightening whiskey. <laughs> no, I think I had entertaining whiskey. Maybe. Oh, uh, I don't know. Anyway, off the little side track there. D E W is uh, after the initials for Daniel E Williams. Who I prefer ours. Yeah, I, I mean, I won't lie, ours, ours were far more imaginative. But uh, Daniel E. Williams was a stable boy working at the distillery, which was then called Daly's Distillery. He ended up the owner, uh, which is pretty pretty impressive when you think about that it. That is a promotion. Yeah, he worked his way... He's like, he wasn't just, like, uh, a stable boy that... Maybe, oh, it's like a, a movie where he's a stable boy yeah. and the eccentric owner, like, he's like takes a giant to him and it's, it's almost like an adopted son and in the end he just uh, leaves the distillery But his world. real son is, like, cast aside and he seeks revenge and there's a fight at the end. It's like, there can only be one. Maybe, maybe there's a whole family involved <gasps> and the distillery gets willed. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then, and then you think... And then they have to climb a trellis, and then there's this, this knife wheel. Oh, that film was amazing. Spoilers. I really do like it. But we're not going to say the name of the film, so it's not technically spoiling. Oh, dear. 
That was a great film, though. So, uh, Daniel E. Williams, he ended up the owner uh, of uh, Tullamore Dew. Um, now, Tullamore's whiskey for a while... When we were on about how st- the spirit started, the distillers had to start conglomerating because of the problems with Irish whiskey in the yes, last episode. Yeah. Tullamore ended up being part of Middleton, which, as I said, is that big distillery that does Jameson. However, the Grants family um, have actually bought the brand Tullamore Dew. Uh, Grants are the owners of Glenfiddich, Balvenie, Canimvi, Ailsa Bay. Uh, Ailsa Bay? Yeah, it's a lowland whiskey. Ailsa Bay. A- it sounds like it's pronounced by a Yorkshire person. <laughs> Maybe it's the cask whisperer. <laughs> Ooh. He whispers it in different accents so the casks feel more at home. Maybe, maybe. Um, so, anyway, the Grants family, very big family in Scotland, very, very uh, rich family. Are we on Ireland? Yes, but they own Tullamore Dew, which is an Irish whiskey. That's what I'm getting to. Okay. Now, Tullamore, uh, they, what they did was they didn't just buy the label, they've actually built a new distillery back in the town of Tullamore, where it all kind of begun. And distilling was com- uh, commenced Distilling was commenced there back in 2014, so it's, it's coming along nicely. Really is a, a great whiskey, Tullamore, you can't... Uh... When did it stop before 2014? What do you mean, when did it stop? Well, if it... I was on about how the, the conglomerations of the distilleries, remember, and it went to Middleton oh, to survive. Oh, okay, and it returned. So... And so the Grants family, they bought the label, right, Tullamore. Yes. Yeah, sorry. But they also... With their money, they've they've invested in it and they've rebuilt a distillery back in its hometown of Tullamore, which is where you get Tullamore from, funnily enough. And they say, if you listen at night time, you can hear the stable boy. Daniel E. Williams on right. the win. I was going to ask if he's still alive, but probably not because you don't really get stable boys in this time. Uh, no, no, this is a while ago. Yeah, I figured. Yeah. Um, but if, uh, just slightly going off on a sidetrack, if you do take the time to look at a bottle of Tullamore Dew, you will see the... Um, the ghost. Of- <laughs> <laughs> I think that's when you've had a few too many. <laughs> and you see your own face reflected in the whiskey, because it's the ghost of Daniel E. Williams. <laughs> but no, it does, actually, cut you up, it does actually hold the signature on the bottle of D.E. Williams. Oh, that's a fancy So it's a, it's a little thing that you learn. Um, but yeah, that's... Tullamore Dew. Great, great whiskey. Also, we have things like moving away from the big players. I also really like this. Uh, Powers is a wonderful blend. That's also done at Middleton. Well, yeah, I want whiskey and have all that power. Named after someone called John Power. That is a power name. In fact, it was John Powers' company. John Powers, who I think it was John Powers who actually ended up uh, conglomerating Tullamore Dew into themselves. John Powers is the most alias name ever. Middleton took over John Powers, basically. Uh, there's a, a series of things in between there, but these takeovers kind of happen. You also have Paddy's, which is reportedly named after a man called Paddy, who worked for the company. You also have Hinch, which is a relatively new blend to the scene, but it's a really nice one to try. Slain as well is a, a, a lovely blend. They use some different casks. I think I've ever heard of those ones. I mean... These ones are fairly new. Uh, Hinch and Slain, certainly. I mean, Paddy's and Powers, they've been around for a long time. Hinch tends to use a lot more American oak casks to it, whereas Slain, they do use some sherry oak casks as well, so you're getting that richness coming through. Right, so I think we'll move on to the tasting section. Ooh, and by that we mean I'll smell it, say sherry. You will nose it. I'll smell it, say sherry, and hand it back to you. I'm assuming it's this glass. Well, it's the whiskey in the glass, but yeah. This is a different... Do I have to swallow it? 
I'm really bad at this falling part. Do you want to do that bit? I'm always scared it's just going to go everywhere. That's all it is. It's just a gentle swirl. Nah. The zero legs. It's a very light whiskey, actually, it is. Very yeah, light. it does not weigh a lot, I will say. Sherry? <laughs> now you know it's not sherry. I know it's not, um, I don't know. I can't remember. Can I have a hint? Well, it's called Tullamore Dew Caribbean Rum Edition. Oh, rum. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that was a slow one on my part. I don't know. It doesn't really smell that much of rum. Well, what they've done is they've... Oh, you see, you have got legs. Thank you. Yeah, I have two of them. So, what they do is they kind of... They make Tullamore Dew first, and then they've finished it in these uh, sweet Demerara rum barrels, or rum casks, rather. Oh, Demerara. Yes. And it... Because, again, like I was saying with Jameson's, Tullamore's a lovely light spirit. It really is great at imparting, uh, picking up these flavours. I'm begging you to not gesticulate with that glass in your hand. Like that? I don't like it. Don't, because I had a shower, like, seconds ago. Okay. Um, now, uh, it's worth mentioning that uh, Tullamore Dew, as I said before, is it's a, a blend of single malt, pot still, and grain whiskey. All three styles with a triple distilled combination. Ooh. Going all out. However, not all of the whiskey is from the Tullamore Dew distillery. These are outsource some of it as well. Um, they, uh, they kind of mature it in a combination of casks for the start, which you get your standard Tullamore Dew, and then it's been finished in first filled Demerara rum casks, which imparts this great sweet and kind of tropical side to the spirit. Um, now, on the nose, you, have, you do. You have a wonderful lightness. There's a little bit of a sweetness to it. Uh, I mean, it's bottled at 43% ABV, so there is a little bit of alcohol there. I know it sounds silly, only that 3% increase, but it, it does come through. But that's also so you get a bit more flavour as well. Can I just say they did well with the uh, turquoise accents on the bottle? Because you think it does need a pineapple on, because turquoise and pineapples are two colours that often go together in branding. Um, which does add an island vibe. I've never thought about that before, but you're right, yeah. I am right, yeah. I pay a lot of attention to what colours go with pineapples. Obviously. Um, now, on the nose, you do get a little bit more of a tropical side. I really do pick up... There's almost a banana-y side to it. There is, honestly. When, when you start comparing whiskies properly... I'm begging you to start smelling actual fruit. I do smell actual fruits. When you start comparing whiskies and nosing whiskies as much as I do, you will start <laughs> <laughs> really that. <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I whiskies line. <laughs> basically, I, I, if you start lining up a series of whiskies and you start nosing them, you don't need to drink them, but if you start nosing them, you'll start to pick very, very clear differences out, and that really is part of part of the job. Is is picking up all these different aromas and flavour. You don't need to taste a whiskey to know a lot about it, first of all. I mean, for, like I said, you've got the colour, you've got the legs, you've got the nose. Before you've even tasted it, you can form a very big picture in your in your mind. There's also a, a bit of a vanilla-iness to this. There's... There, it, let's say it's that tropical side. It's almost like a bit of pineapple, it, but that could be just putting words in my mouth now for tropical side, but that's what I get when I nose this whiskey. It's great. I really like this whiskey. I think, it, for the money, it is a really okay. nice, unusual one to try. Let me smell it and see if your words have tricked my mind into believing what you say, because that's literally how the brain works. 
Yeah, I did, yeah. I do smell pineapple now. But that could also be because I'm thinking of a tropical smoothie. So, there we have it. This is Tull and Wadju. <laughs> a tropical smoothie in a glass. It's none of your five a day. I feel like it's a Jimmy Buffett drink now. Well, yeah, those are those tropical flavours coming across. No, just because it says island on it. Well, tropical. Doesn't even say island. I can guarantee it says island on it. <laughs> island, not island. <laughs> this just comes across the same when you say that. Go on, take a swig. See what it tastes like. It's light. It's... It's uh, it definitely is sweet. You you do get that rum cask influence on it. Don't you dislike rum? I dislike rum. I don't dislike rum cask whiskey. Wow. I've had several rum cask whiskeys and I really like them. Top three rum cask whiskeys have to be number one. I'm going to say it. I've said it before. Tomatin. They do an excellent rum cask whiskey. <laughs> Ooh. Tamdui. No, they. I. I've never tried a rum cask from them. Oh, did they do rum cask? I just realised I hadn't mentioned them. Balvenie. Balvenie is a wonderful uh, Scottish distillery, owned by the Grants family actually, and they they do a fourteen year old rum cask. However, the big difference is the the Tomatin tends to have had a or, or at least the first release of Tomatin rum cask whiskey had a lot more rum cask uh, involvement with it, whereas the 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 uh, Balvenie fourteen is uh, finished in rum cask, so it's only the final part. Uh, the newer release of Tomatin, they, they seem to have finished it in rum casks this time a little bit less than was was given the previous release. Um, Tullamodiu, rum cask edition. I certainly think it's a great one to try. I, you know... And it only costs like 20... 25, 26 pounds or something well, like that. that's pretty cheap. It's a really good whiskey. Um... Well, I mean, it's it's not cheap. It's it, it's less expensive than other whiskies, but the quality that you're getting—it's not like it's a cheap whiskey. Because I always think cheap whiskies are are those inferior ones. I'm I'm talking about less expensive, high quality whiskies. Yeah, I meant cheap as in yes. it doesn't cost a lot. Not cheap as in yeah, it's cheap. It's for the price. I think it really is a great one for people to try, uh, particularly when the weather's getting like it is. It's lovely and warm. It's for sunny. It's sorry. Did you say frozen? For us. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah, we're having a, a bit of a heat wave at the moment. I suppose. And you I say. am loving it. And I think that this time is the best time to have these lighter Irish brand blends, particularly compared to things like the heavier Scottish whiskies I tend to like in the in the winter. That's a pretty cool whiskey, to be fair. I mean, wow. Five episodes and we finally found a pretty cool whiskey, to be fair. Well, let's be honest, it has turquoise and Caribbean on it. Very true. Two things I'm known to love. This is the one we should have said now entering Ireland time on. Oh. Uh, Completely ruined that one. It's right there. Well. We'll just. Turquoise and pineapples. I think that. I think we've just about covered today's episode quite nicely. Yeah, yeah. Any questions? Um, about Irish whiskies? Oh. No, you know what? I spun a tale today, and I'm quite proud of that. I spun a dream. 
so the episode's over. You made it here, we made it here. There's been a lot of editing, but not on my part, so thanks for listening to Cascads. If you liked what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe on whichever podcasting platform you use. It helps us, and more importantly, it may lead to others listening and discovering the show. You can also visit our website and send us an email if you have any questions. The links are in the description below. And as always, we'll leave you there this one editing goof. Bye. Goodbye. Now, funnily enough, I, Originally, would, I, I don't believe anything you say. Whiskey was distilled in Kraken's tummies. In Kraken's tummies, interesting. Um, I didn't. Want, I wouldn't want to say belly, as it sounded too too lame. Dum dum Caribbean rum edition. It's the only thing I picked out.